Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Hello, saints. The Lord bless you. We've been talking about grace to walk in the Word. We've been studying Psalm 119. There's so much encouragement there to get in the good habit of researching God's Word day in and day out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you, Lord, that you would give us the grace that we need, Lord, to work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure, that we might have such a desire in our heart to seek your word every day, Lord, and um, put it in our heart that we might not sin against you, that we might walk in the steps of our Lord Jesus, that we might bear the fruit of that word, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your precious promises. Just give us that desire. Draw us, Lord, and cause us to have that hunger for truth, hunger for your word, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen. Well, I'm going to take up where we left off in um, Psalm 119 and 97. It says, Oh, how I love thy law. Praise the Lord. Oh, that we would all just love God's Word. It's my meditation all the day. That's a gift from God, folks. He can certainly give it to you. You know, meditating is, you know, um, not just a very fast read. It's a slowing down and thinking about what you're saying and uh, thinking about what's being said there, giving the Holy Spirit a chance to Bring to your remembrance other verses that fit in. You know, actually, you're putting together a puzzle here, you know, uh, a puzzle that works out to be the truth. You know, um, Psalm 119 also says, the sum of thy word is truth, right? So we have to give the Holy Spirit time to put this puzzle together for us, and it takes some meditation. And, you know, the more you do that, I believe the more you will love God's Word. If you slow down and just see what God can show you out of each verse, you know. And 98 says, Thy commandments make me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. Boy, this is a time that we need this. We need to be wiser than our enemies. We're going into a tribulation here. And a great tribulation in which our enemies are going to be making war against the saints. The beast is going to make war against the saints. We need the wisdom of God to go through this time. And the Word will give us that wisdom. Thy commandments make me wiser than mine enemies, he says. I have more understanding than all of my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. And this is so true. If you are one of those that has the gift to really research the Word and love the Word and look for the truth and have the basic principles of of finding truth in your heart, you will outgrow your teachers. You know, I, I had mentors 
when I came to the Lord. And um, they gave me a start, but I can look back at some of those people and they're right where I left them. <laughs> because they had, you know, basically made up their mind, um, set their doctrines in concrete, and um, they're right there, right there where I left them. They didn't continue to grow and the wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men as the scriptures teach about Jesus, you know. Even Jesus grew that way, you know. Love the truth. Ask God to give you a love for the truth and meditate on His testimonies. I understand more than the aged because I have kept thy precepts. Well, I tell you what, if you are a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, you will understand a lot. You'll have a lot more understanding because God gives light when you walk in the light that He gives you. And if you're not going to do that, there's not much use in God giving you light which you would be condemned for not walking in, right? So God's very merciful in that way. You um, you can you can gain more understanding than people who have been in the Lord much longer than you because they're sidetracked you know they're caught in a in a trap and um god is you know i in job we see an example of this exact thing you know um elihu let me read that to you job 32 so these three men ceased to answer job because he was righteous in his own eyes job had a little bit of a problem here you know and um He had self-righteousness hidden in him that God was trying to reveal, right? Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzzite of the family of Ram. Against Job was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God. And also against his three friends was his wrath kindled because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. Elihu had waited to speak unto Job because they were elder than he. And when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, his wrath was kindled. And Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzzite, answered and said, I am young, and ye are very old. Wherefore I held back, and durst not show you mine opinion. I said, days should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty giveth them understanding. So it's not just how long you've had a mind and known what the Scriptures said. The Holy Spirit can breathe that understanding into you. There is a spirit in man, and the breath, or the spirit, same word, of the Almighty giveth them understanding. God will reveal things to people, especially as we just read, people who will walk in the things that he gives them. They will walk in the things he's given them, he'll give them more. It's not just a mind thing. There are scholars that have studied all of their life, and um, they know nothing of God. That's a sad thing. And they may have been with the Lord for a long time. It is not the great that are wise, nor the aged that understand justice. 
Therefore, I said, Hearken unto me, I also will show mine opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I listened to your reasonings, whilst you searched out what to say. Yea, I I attended unto you, and behold, there was none that convinced Job, or that answered his words among you. And as you know, the Lord um, rebuked the three elder men, but he never said anything negative about Elihu. He evidently spoke the truth unto Job. He was the fourth man that many people don't mention, but he spoke the truth. Even though he was younger and he preferred their age, he permitted them to speak. He was respectful of their age. Their age didn't show forth the wisdom that he he showed forth in, in the book of Job. So, um, if you are one of those that meditate in God's Word day and night, I can tell you it'll be just exactly like he says here in verse 100. You'll understand more than the aged, because you're not only a hearer, but you're a doer of the Word. He kept the precepts. And 101 says, I have refrained my feet from every evil way, that I might observe thy word, or keep thy word. You know, there's so much doctrine out there that basically permits you not to even believe that you have a need to keep his word. That's works. Salvation by works, they call it. But obviously that's crazy. That is a a crazy doctrine that keeps people from growing up in the Lord. The word is not really important with some of these doctrines out there. It's really not important. Since you're uh, unconditionally secure and you're going to be saved no matter what or you're uh, ultimately reconciled unto God or whatever. These crazy doctrines, um, ear-tickling doctrines of men make the word unimportant. You know, if these doctrines are true, you don't need to study God's word. It doesn't make any difference. That's why you know these doctrines are the devil. He said, I have not turned aside from thine ordinances. For thou hast taught me. This, we need a teacher. You have no need that any man should teach you, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And so, we need to be taught of the Lord. Ask the Lord to be your teacher, and He will do that. You know, everyone has a right to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that that means that He is your teacher, right? And modern day men, you know, have not studied the Word of God. They've gone to their Bible colleges and they're just cookie-cutter, you know, teachers. They've been cut out, stamped, everything is proper, but they don't have the knowledge. Ask the Lord to lead you, though. Ask the Lord to guide you, the, the breath of the Lord to give you wisdom, and He will certainly do it. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Well, you remember... The story of John in the book of Revelation, how the angel gave him the little book, and how that that little book, which we rep- probably represents the book of Revelation, was uh, sweet in his mouth, but bitter in his belly. Actually, all of the book is that way. It's sweet in our mouth. It's nice to understand these things about God, but it also demands obedience. It demands the crucified life. And uh, as you know, the apostle warned them about their God being their belly. So if it's bitter in the belly, people don't want 
to humble themselves to it. They don't want to study it. They feel more comfortable doing other things, you know. Anything that's contrary to their God, which is their belly, their flesh, well, they they don't want to hear it. But to some who embrace the cross of Christ and they embrace the crucified life because they know it's life, they know it's eternal life, they know it's fruit, you know, you can't gain your life unless you lose your life. There's no way you can bear fruit without dying. You know, as the inner man is being renewed, the outer man is decaying, the Bible tells us. You know, the, the, the old man has to die in order to give place to the new man, just like when they went into the promised land and put to death the, the carnal man who lived in the land, you know. And they took their place and lived in their houses, raised their crops, raised up their own fruit. So on and so forth. So it's um, bitter to the belly. It should be. But it is exciting to find out about God, so much so that you're, you're uh, comforted, you know, to, in the crucified walk, right? Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Yes, amen. We, um, you know... I like especially Hosea chapter 4. I'll read to you um, verse 5. And thou shalt stumble in the day, and the prophet also shall stumble with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Probably talking about Babylon here. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I also will forget thy children. So many people only want whatever the preacher gives them. They don't want to go look and search out their own salvation with fear and trembling. They they like a simple gospel. But those that love the Lord, they, they want to get into the deeper and deeper things, you know. They want a deeper relationship with God. They want to grow up. Some people don't see or feel any need to be like Jesus, right? Verse 7, As they were multiplied, so they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They feed on the sin of my people, set their heart on their iniquity. And it shall be like people, like priests. I will punish them for their ways, and will requite them for their doings. And they shall eat and not have enough. They shall play the harlot and shall not increase, because they have left off taking heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine taketh away the understanding. My people ask counsel at their stock, and their staff declareth unto them, for the spirit of whoredom hath caused them to err, and they have played the harlot, departing from under their God. And this is where I think the majority of the church is. But God's word uh, will make us a disciple of Jesus Christ. It will, he said, through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. God will convict us through his word. He'll give us a, a, a hunger for his word. He'll give us his grace. 105 says, 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And as I've said many times, the word shows us where we stand and it shows us where to go. But we should keep on walking in the light because that's where the promise is. You know, First John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sin. If we walk in the light, we can't stand in the light. It's a lamp unto our feet, but it's a light unto our path. He wants you to go, to walk in the light. In other words, more and more light, new light every day, you know. Don't stand where you did 40 years ago, like some people are doing, with no more knowledge of the Word, no more understanding of the truth, no more meditation of God's Word. If you reject knowledge, He said, He will reject you from being a priest unto Him. We have to desire knowledge. We have to seek it like choice silver, the Bible says. I have sworn and have confirmed it, that I will keep Thy righteous ordinances. Amen. You know, we can say this by faith. We can say that what the Lord Jesus gave us is His gift of obedience to the Word because everything in the reconciliation has been given unto us. We can say with bold faith in Him that I will keep His righteous ordinances. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to Thy Word. Listen, this is the gift of God. God can do this for us. Quicken me, meaning make me alive, O Lord, according to thy word. In other words, I want exactly what your word promises me, life. Right? 107.19, it says, Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of all their distresses. He sendeth his word, and he healeth them, and delivereth them from their destructions. Now, if the method that God uses to deliver us from our trouble and uh, to heal us um, is God's word, and we're not paying attention to God's word or putting it first in our life, we're going to miss out on something extremely important here. His method is, he said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. It is God's word that we need to be paying most attention to. He said, quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Make me alive according to your word. Life comes from God's word, as Paul told Timothy. He told us what eternal life was. It is to walk in God's holiness in obedience to his word. Back in 108 and 119, it says, Except I beseech thee the free will offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me thine ordinances. You know, he didn't say just show me thine ordinances. He said, teach me thy ordinances. You know, this can sometimes be painful, but it's necessary. We need to be taught. You know, if you... You train a, a dog, for instance. You you teach that dog to do something, to obey, to do tricks, to be obedient, so on and so forth. You can show the dog what you want. That's not enough. Some people can read the Word. It's not enough. But if you ask the Lord to teach you 
or to train you his ordinances, which is what we desperately need, then he can do that. Again, it's by grace. He's our teacher. You know, we are his disciple, right? We, each one of us are actually disciples of Christ, right? And he is training us in the way. And uh, yes, men can be useful in this as long as they speak the word of the Lord, and uh, especially under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But we don't have a need for any man to teach us, the Bible says. We have an anointing from the Holy One. We are, we are to be the disciples of Jesus Christ, not of man. My soul is continually in my hand, yet do I not forget thy law. Amen. If your soul is in your hand, do not forget God's Word. Because that's how He heals, that's how He delivers, that's how He saves, that's how He causes us to bear fruit. We are the fruit of God's Word. And without bearing fruit, Jesus said, 36 to your hundredfold, we are not going to enter His kingdom. The wicked have laid a snare for me. Yes, amen. Yet have I not gone astray from thy precepts. You know what? When the wicked are persecuting you, tempting you, so on and so forth, that's when you're most likely to go back to your old ways in defending yourself or saving yourself from them. That's when you're most likely to go astray. And uh, I'm going to read to you First Chronicles 14, uh, verse 10. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, for I will deliver them into thy hand. See, he did. David waited upon the Lord. He uh, wanted the direction of God in his warfare. Um, the Israelites did this quite often, you know, with the Urim and Thummim. They waited upon the Lord, and he gave them instructions and direction. Obviously, when we're going against an enemy, many times an enemy who is greater than us, larger than us, we need the direction of the Lord. So they came uh, up to Baal Perazim, and Dave and David um, smote them there, and David said, God hath broken mine enemies by my hand, like the breach of waters. Of course, you can't say that unless you're following the Lord, right? He just, he just wants to use us, but we need His direction. He is the head. We're not the head. When we're fighting against an, an enemy like we're about to fight against in the tribulation period, and in the Spirit, we need the Lord to be our head. We need His Word to guide us. Therefore, they call the name of that place Baal Perazim. And they left their gods there, and David gave commandment, and they burned them with fire. And the Philistines yet again made a raid in the valley, and David inquired again of God. And God said unto him, Thou shalt not go up after them, turn away from them. In other words, notice he doesn't do everything according to our minds. He doesn't give us a law. To follow, you know, when you're coming against the enemy, he wants you to be guided by him at all times, especially when you make warfare. Thou shalt not go up after them, turn away from them, and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And it shall be, 
when thou hearest the sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt go out to battle, for God is gone out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did as God commanded him, and they smote the host of the Philistines from Gibeon even unto Gezer. And the fame of David went out unto all lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. Why? Because, why did he find such success? Because he was being guided by the Lord. And this was a big difference between him and his predecessor in First Samuel 13. In fact, I'll read that to you. In verse 8, And he, that is Saul, tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed. But Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And, you know, Paul was being, excuse me, Saul was being moved by fear here instead of by the Spirit of the Lord. He'd already been given instructions by the Spirit of the Lord through Samuel, and he was disobeying them because of what he was seeing with his eyes and because of the fear that was coming upon him. Saul said, Bring hither the burnt offering to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. And it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. Samuel said, What hast thou done? Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines assembled themselves together at Michmash. Therefore, said I, now will the Philistines come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not entreated the favor of the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, for thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath appointed him to be prince over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So, you know, not following the Lord, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We're not going to get the reward of a son of God. We're not going to be a ruler in God's kingdom unless we learn to follow the Holy Spirit. We can't be a leader unless we learn to follow. And um, because there's this, there really is only one leader, right? And we understand and know that that is the Lord God. I like the next verse in Psalm 119. It's 111. You know what 111, the gematria one that comes out to 111 is the Lord God or Jehovah God or actually YHWH God comes out to 111. Many of you see 111 on your clocks <laughs> or in different ways, 111. Thy testimonies have I taken as a heritage forever. They are, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. A heritage. A heritage of who? The Lord God. Uh, the, our heritage, our inheritance from the Lord God 
is revealed and given to us through faith in God's testimonies. Wow. You know, we we inherit who Jesus is through the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. Our inheritance is given to us in this way. We make much of the fact that we're to be joint heirs with Christ, but if we're not partaking of the inheritance, how can we be joint heirs with Christ? People don't understand that God's got a means to an end. The means in order for us to receive the inheritance is through God's testimonies, through His promises, through His good news, through His gospel. And many people are not partaking of what God gave them at the cross. Our inheritance, right? Our inheritance is to be sons of the living God. And the whole creation is waiting for the manifestation of this inheritance to be manifest so that the creation itself would be delivered from the curse that's upon it. One twelve says, I have inclined my heart to perform thy statutes forever, even unto the end. Yes, and also ask God to incline your heart to perform his statutes in you, right? And he says, I hate them that are of a double mind, but thy law do I love. Yes, and of course, you know, the Lord himself doesn't promise anything to those who are of a double mind. A double mind, actually, in James chapter 1, means two-souled. He said, But if any of you lacketh wisdom, that's verse 5, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. Here's the double mind, faith and doubting. Faith and doubting, that's the double mind, the two-souled, right? Let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubteth is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man, or a two-souled, literally two-souled man, unstable in all of his ways. Amen. And none of us want this in our life, and we don't see it as anything that's godly, right? You know, unbelief is a sin. And, uh, of course, we think of it more of as a weakness, but it's a sin. The sin of unbelief, according to Hebrews. The evil heart of unbelief, Paul called it in Hebrews. We should hate it. We should trust in the Lord's salvation to deliver us from it, right? Ask the Lord to deliver you from uh, unbelief. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. So the Lord is our hiding place and our protection from the enemy, our shield. But then he turns around and says, I hope in thy word. Because the manifestation of the Lord to us is through his word. He teaches us to be shielded from our enemy, to be hidden by abiding in the secret place of the Most High, right? Depart from it. Don't you think we need to be protected, to have a shield in the days that we're coming into now that we can see beginning to happen around us now? We need that, and and it's God's Word that's going to give us that shield. 
It just tells you many people are preparing for these things in the flesh. But the most important thing they're ignoring, and that is to put the Word of God in their heart, right? Depart from me, ye evildoers, that I may keep the commandments of my God. Depart from me, that I may keep the commandments of my God. You know, the Bible says, Be not deceived. Evil companionships corrupt good morals. That's 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Be not deceived. Evil companionships. He says, Depart from me, evildoers, that I may keep the commandment of my God. You know, in Proverbs 13, in verse 20, we are told, Walk with wise men, and thou shalt be wise. But the companion of fools shall smart for it. it means you're going to come under judgment. If you hang out with fools, you're going to come under judgment. If you walk with wise men, you'll be wise. Don't be deceived. Evil companionships corrupt good morals. You'll destroy yourself hanging out with foolish people, people full of the traditions of men, people who are full of the leaven of the Pharisees or the leaven of Herod, which Jesus warned us to avoid. And 116, Behold, uphold me according to thy word that I may live. And let me not be ashamed of my hope. That's a good request, isn't it? Let me not be ashamed of my hope. Recently, the Lord gave me um, a word in Psalm 25, in verse 2, concerning shame and uh, concerning enemies. And he says, um, O my God, in thee have I trusted. Let me not be put to shame. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, none that wait for thee shall be put to shame. They shall be put to shame that deal treacherously without a cause. Amen. Let me not be put to shame. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Praise God. And we can, this is a prayer, obviously, in, in, in Psalm 119 and 116. It's a prayer that the Holy Spirit wrote for us so that we would know we can pray this prayer and receive an answer. Let me not be ashamed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe. You know, the Bible says safety is of the Lord. We can ask the Lord to hold us up and give us protection, right? And shall have respect unto thy statutes continually. Well, I tell you, you can't have safety unless you have respect unto God's statutes continually. The Word is what God uses to give us safety. It's our shield, as we said in verse 114. It's our shield. It's our protection. So, you know, I remember in Isaiah chapter 10 how the Lord said about the Assyrian beast, how that He was going to use them. It wasn't in their heart. It was in their heart to plunder God's people. But but God said He put it in their heart to do a work on His people. Uh, to use them as a tool to create his people. And he said when he was through working on them, 
Then he would punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria. First he uses the world upon us. And then, when he's through, he judges the world. But also, when the Assyrian beast came against God's people, Zion was delivered. Zion didn't go through what the rest of Israel went through. I mean, the Assyrian beast conquered the northern ten tribes and even conquered Judah, but couldn't conquer Zion. God preserved them. He said in, the, in verse 118, he says, Thou has set it not all them that err from thy statutes, for their deceit is falsehood. Notice this. If you want to be one of those who is protected and blessed and preserved by the Lord, notice what he says. Thou hast set it not all them that err from thy statutes. You're asking to be judged if you go astray from God's word. You're asking to be judged. God's word cannot be broken. He said he will set you at naught. He said, Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. Therefore, I love thy testimonies. A person that loves God's testimonies won't be put away like the world is, won't be tribulated, won't be cursed, won't be destroyed like the world is. God has promised. Remember, it was Zion that escaped. And um, God has promised the same for us. He's promised us deliverance. Let me read this to you. Psalm 24 and verse 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? That's Zion. Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto falsehood. We're going through a trial here, doctrinally speaking, you know, to find the truth. The truth sets you free. It keeps you free. It protects you. Uh, it's what Zion represents is truth and purity, right? But the person who lifts up his soul unto falsehood, he permits deception for whatever reason. Most people fall into deception because they're lured by the lusts of their flesh to believe something that they think will prosper them in some kind of way, physically speaking. And that's how they get deceived. But a person who loves the truth, they're not going to be bribed by false doctrine, by false hope of gain. They're not going to be bribed. We're obviously going to be tempted and going to be tried. And we're going to be proven as to whether we love the truth or not. We love God's Word or not. It says, And hath not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And also, a text like that in Psalm 15, Lord, who shall sojourn in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, worketh righteousness, and speaketh truth in his heart. And on and on, it speaks about not slandering your neighbor, and uh, so on and so forth. So we're in a trial here to find out who it is that loves truth more than they love prosperity and peace and all these other things, you know. They're not going to be bribed. In Psalm 119 again, he says, My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. You know, the fear 
of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the the Bible says, "Fear the Lord and depart from evil." The Bible says. Let me read Proverbs chapter one, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. He says, "Then will they call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge." They did not choose the fear of the Lord. See, somebody that chooses the fear of the Lord, chooses to find out what God desires and how He leads and what is His direction and what it is to be in right relationship with Him and in obedience to His Word. Anybody that fears the Lord is going to do those things. They're going to love the truth. They're going to seek to be obedient to God. So the fear of the Lord is a good thing. And then there's some prayers that are prayed here in Psalm 119. Some Holy Spirit-led prayers. He says, I have done justice and righteousness. Leave me not to mine oppressors. Don't leave me in the hand of the wicked or in the hand of the oppressors. And there's another um, Psalm 125 that suits both what we've already seen and what we're reading right now. Psalm 125, They that trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion. In other words, the faithful, the people who are full of faith, they're like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. In other words, no matter what happens in the world, they're not going to be moved. But abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about His people from this time forth and forevermore. So Zion, again, is the place of escape, the place of protection, the place of respect for His Word. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, that is, those in Zion. And as you know, the Assyrian beast wasn't able to conquer Zion, that the righteous put not forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that are good. So, really, you know, folks, it's very plain that that the beast is going to conquer most of what we call Christianity from the types and shadows, but it's not going to conquer Zion, those that trust in the Lord. God says, do good to those that are good and to them that are upright in their hearts. But as for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, in other words, they're bribed to turn away from God's word, to reject knowledge and truth, God will lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. He means into bondage. That's what he means. Because the Assyrians led away Israel into bondage. But not Zion. They'll lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. Mm-hmm. Back to our text in Psalm 119. Be surety for thy servant for good. Let not the proud oppress me. Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for thy righteous word. In in other words, I don't think this terminology is well understood probably in the West. Uh, Mine eyes fail to see or to wait for, to see God's salvation and uh, for his righteous word, right? God's salvation is something we all need every day to be saved, 
to be the word soteria in the New Testament means saved, delivered, healed, all these things, all the provision of God, right? So, you know, we have to patiently wait to see the salvation of the Lord. God's Word, of course, encourages us, and it gives us that patience that we need to endure the trial of our faith to see the answers, right? And I tell you, if you're in a trial of your faith, read the Word of God, especially the Psalms. They will encourage you to no end, to be, be strong, to endure to the end, to receive your answer, right? Deal with thy servant according to thy loving kindness, and teach me thy statutes. This is grace, isn't it? Deal with me according to mercy. Teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant. Give me understanding. Solomon prayed that. He prayed for understanding. It pleased the Lord so much that he asked for understanding rather than the life of his enemies or riches that he gave him an understanding heart above anybody around him. And not only that, he gave him the riches too. But the fact that he asked for understanding pleased the Lord. I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for the Lord to work, for they have made void thy law. Boy, I tell you, if there's ever a time this is true is now. They are making void God's law all across the world. You know, in places where it was respected, it's being struck down. Even in this nation, we've got the most rebellious uh, leadership there's ever been, the most decrepit of all. And uh, it's time for the Lord to start working because they have made void His law. Therefore, I love thy commandments. Amen. Above gold, yea, above fine gold. Oh, if it was true of God's people that they would love His commandments above any kind of gain, it would be just awesome. I'll read Proverbs 3, 13. It says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the gaining of it is better than the gaining of silver, and the profit thereof than of fine gold. Amen. There is nothing in this world to be compared with God's wisdom. That's why Solomon asked the Lord, and, and it pleased him so much that he gave it to him. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts, in Psalm 119 and 128, concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. This is, this is what we need, folks. We've got to presume immediately that everything God says is correct. He has the answers for all of our problems. And uh, many people, they're quick to argue with the Word of God, especially if they've got some idol. You know, um, religions are idols. Pastors can be idols. You know, selfish ambition can be an idol. But we have to be assured in ourselves that the Word of God is correct no matter what. It is Crucifying, it is bitter to the belly, but we have to consider it correct. People that argue with it, it's, it's amazing to me, you know, why people will argue with God's Word. And you will tell them, look, this is not my words, this is God's Word. Notice what it says. 
Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. Oh yes, hallelujah. They are wonderful, they are awesome, they are God's method of bringing salvation and deliverance and provision to us. The opening of thy words giveth light. Amen. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, he said, right? 105. The opening of the words give light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. We're all simple, folks. We all all need God's understanding, His wisdom, His direction. I opened wide my mouth and panted, for I longed for Thy commandments. Yes, indeed. You know, Psalm 42 speaks about the heart panteth, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee. For I long for thy precepts. Jesus said, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled. The Lord can put this desire in you that's so supernatural, so overwhelming. God gave me that gift when I was young in the Lord. And I wasn't a studious person either. It just didn't come natural to me. But He gave me that gift to desire strongly after His commandments. This is nothing but health and blessing to you when you have it. Turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me as thou usest to do to those that love thy name. What is common to those that love God's name, you know, is that he turns them unto him. He has mercy on them. Establish my footsteps in thy word. Again, grace, grace. We're asking God to do something for us, something that most people think God has made us responsible to do. But we're asking God to do it. Establish my footsteps in thy word. Let not any iniquity have dominion over me. That's the command of God to us. But of course, we're telling God that, Lord, we know you can do this in us by grace. So we turn back to God and we ask him to do this in us. Even as we are being obedient, we ask him to do this. Redeem me from the oppression of man. So... Will I observe thy precepts, or keep thy precepts? Amen. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. In other words, have favor on me, O Lord. Have favor on me. Give me your grace. Teach me your statutes. Streams of water run down mine eyes, because they observe not thy law. Amen. Oh, Father, we just ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, let your word sink deep into our hearts. Cause us to desire more than anything to love your word, love your principles, study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Lord, we desire earnestly that you would put this desire, this gift in us, O Lord, to... um, Every day, search out your word to form good habits every day, to put you first in our day, to study you when we get up in the morning, and if and even to 
cause us and give us the gift to get up early. I remember I was sharing with the class one time, folks, and uh, I told them how I got up early at 4 o'clock in the morning to study God's Word before coming to work. And I told them, I said, God will do this for you. I said, if you don't believe that God will do this for you, you ask God to wake you up one hour early in the morning to study His Word and see what happens. You know, almost that whole class came back the next day and said, you know, I woke up, I turned and looked at the clock, and it was one hour before my clock was due to go off the alarm. And they was just all so excited because it happened to almost all of them. <laughs> God wants us to put him first and his word first, right? Glory be to God. Well, we want to continue with our study in Psalms. 119. It's awesome. You know, Psalm 119 has 176 verses in it, and all but four of those speak of the Word of God. They speak of the Word as the law, the testimony, the judgment, the statutes, commandments, precepts, the Word, or ordinances, or the way. There's only four verses that don't speak of those different attributes of God's Word. Uh, Verse 90, verse 121, 122, and 132. The rest all do. And uh, Psalms 119 is the largest chapter in the Bible. And it's quite encouraging, you know, as far as us learning to Walk in His Word and and in grace. You know, when we when we read these verses today, uh, let these be your prayer to God, your praise to God. You know, enter into these verses. These are actually given by the Holy Spirit that we might know what is an acceptable prayer to God. Okay. Uh, or an acceptable praise to God. So when we share these verses, um, let them be yours. We left off in uh, verse 137. It says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Well, you know the Lord is right, and He does right. His judgments are correct every time. You know, in verse 128, it says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. You know, the Lord is right every time. You'd be surprised what this will protect you from. You know, uh, Job was um, a righteous man. He uh, walked in the Lord. He had faults he didn't see, didn't know. But he was a righteous man. But one thing, because of the hardships that he was going through, caused him to question the Lord. And um, the Lord spent four chapters of the book of Job uh, straightening Job out of him questioning him. He pointed out his lack of knowledge of things. He pointed out his lack of being there. When the creation happened, and on and on and on. 
And uh, for four chapters, God just went on about what Job didn't know. You know, the problem with us is we think we know enough to question God sometimes. But if we decide, no, God's always right, He's always good, He always does what's supposed to be done, then we will come to the place where Job came, you know, in Job 42, after God answered him about what he knew and what he had done and um, his knowledge. And uh, Job answered the Lord. He said, I know that thou canst do all things, that no purpose of thine can be restrained. And who is this that hideth counsel without knowledge? He's speaking about himself here. Therefore have I uttered that which I understood not, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I had heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself, and repent in dust and ashes. So, back to our 137 verse. It says, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. If we if we start out with this and we contend with this and we hold fast to this, we will be delivered of quite a lot of temptations. 138, Thou hast commanded thy testimonies in righteousness and very faithfulness. You know, the Lord's testimonies, they are all righteous, and he gave them to us in faithfulness. They are his owner's manual you know, so to speak. You've heard the old saying, you know, if we got a car and we got an owner's manual and we don't obey the owner's manual and we don't treat the car in such a way that it will last and be preserved and continue running, uh, it's kind of like us not paying attention to God's testimonies, to His Word, because they were given in righteousness, they are right, they are what we need for our life, and they were given in faithfulness. His way of preserving us, of blessing us, of showing us how that this life is supposed to be lived. He, he knows what he's doing. He says, My zeal hath consumed me because mine adversaries have forgotten thy word. It's so true. You know, we see in the life of Jesus, for instance, you know, and in the life of John the Baptist, for instance, you know, um, their zeal concerning people who um, who were supposed to have known better, but had forgotten his word, had turned away from his word, or were only using parts of it that would um, sus- uh, justify their self-righteousness. And, uh, you know, we, we still have that feeling today about people who are supposed to know better, but, um, but have departed from God's word. And verse 140, it says, Thy word is very pure, therefore thy servant loveth it. It is pure. It's it's a finished work. When we put it all together and we don't just pick and choose verses, uh, it's a finished work. I am small and despised, yet do I not forget thy precepts. Well, for that very reason that we are small and despised, do we need God's precepts? They strengthen us. They cause us to be someone we could never be otherwise. They are God's ability to live in us and through us. 
when we put the Word in us, we enable God to live in us, because He is the Word. Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is truth. You know, God's truth sets the captives free. It is the sword of the Spirit, right? Uh, I shared with a, a couple uh, yesterday how that they needed to take the sword of the Spirit because their spirit man needed strength against the flesh man, strength against the devil, strength against the enemies who were plundering their soul. Uh, we need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Uh, many people are defenseless against the attacks of Satan day in and day out. They wonder uh, what they want God to deliver them, but they don't want to be used of God to be that vessel to deliver themselves. And God says, take the sword of the Spirit. He wants you to have truth. Jesus said the truth would set you free. Right? Trouble and anguish have taken hold on me, yet thy commandments are my delight. Well, you know, if the commandments are our delight, we'll be delivered of the trouble and anguish. The gospel is what God gave us to receive the power of God. The gospel is the power of God to save the one that believes it. We get our deliverance from trouble and anguish uh, because we believe what he says. Thy testimonies are righteous forever. Give me understanding and I shall live. We see grace in this. The Holy Spirit is showing us that we cannot do this alone. We need the grace of God. And in other words, his unmerited favor. Um, the psalmist, whoever wrote Psalm 119, I really don't know who did it. I don't think anybody actually does. But whoever wrote it, this is the perspective. You give me, Lord, understanding, and I shall live. You know, If God gives us grace, we shall live. We have a right to ask for this. The Holy Spirit wrote this so that we would know that we should ask God for this. Give me understanding, and I shall live. I have called with my whole heart, answer me, and I will keep thy statutes. Wow, once again, we're, we're seeing grace here. It seems like the psalmist is answering something that uh, the Scripture's already spoken about back in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 29. I'm going to go back just a little bit and read um, the text a little bit, maybe verse 27. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you shall be left few in number among the nations, whether the Lord shall lead you away. And, um, you know, we were just speaking about, just a few minutes ago, about God's people being led into captivity to the nations. And how that through patriotism and um, and our respect for the nation that we're in, we become idolatrous in the way with that nation. And we forget the nation that we actually belong to is New Testament spiritual Israel. And so we've been taken captive to these nations, but in these days God is calling us out of the nations exactly as he did his letter people, physical Israel, He's calling us out of the nations to go back to our 
one holy nation that Peter spoke of, which is New Testament spiritual Israel. We are a part of our New Testament Israel. And so he's calling us out of the nations, right? And verse 28 says, And there shall you serve gods, that is, when you're in captivity to the nations, uh, the work of men's hands, uh, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear uh, nor eat nor smell. And, of course, people all over the world are in bondage to the works of their own hands, and they worship them, and they take care of them, and they spend their money on them, and so on and so forth. But verse 29 is, I think, the whole point that the psalmist is getting to. And it says, But from thence you shall seek the Lord thy God, and thou shalt find him when thou searchest after him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. In these days, when God is about to bring his people out of captivity to all the nations to be a one people in the spiritual land of Israel, in these days, God's going to do this. You're going to find him, he said, when you search after him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And when thou art in tribulation, and all these things are come upon thee, in the latter days thou shalt return to the Lord thy God, and hearken unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not fail thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. Yes, the covenant that he made with us, with the early church fathers, um, the great privilege that they had to walk in the steps of Jesus, in the power of Jesus, in the knowledge of the word that the church has totally departed from. Now that we are coming into tribulation, I believe that there are going to be a multitude of people who are going to do like the psalmist says, and that is call upon the Lord with their whole heart. And he is going to answer them. And so the psalmist knew this promise, I believe, and uh and, and so we see here, I have called with my whole heart. Answer me, O Lord. See, that he is fulfilling the condition here. Are you calling upon him with your whole heart? If you do, he will answer you. That's what he said. And he will bring us out of captivity, and he will bring us to his spiritual Zion. And, uh, of course, he said, I will keep thy statutes. Amen. This is what the Lord is calling us to do, friends, is to keep His statutes. And He will keep His word. We seek Him with our whole heart. He will answer us. He says, I have called unto thee, save me. I shall observe thy testimonies. Amen. 147. I anticipated the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy words. You know, here's someone who is sorry that the morning is coming. Why? Well, 148 says, Mine eyes anticipated the night watches that I might meditate on thy word. Here's the idea of drawing close to the Lord in the night when things are quiet when there aren't other 
responsibilities that the daylight usually brings to people, making a living and all these other things that distract you from the Lord. But he said, I anticipated the dawning of the morning and cried. I hoped in thy words. Mine eyes anticipated the night watches that I might meditate on the word. So this is a person that's hungering and thirsting after righteousness who is um, skipping sleep in order to draw near to the Lord in a time when it's quiet, in a time when there's not the distractions of the world. Praise God. This is a, a person that really is hungering and thirsting after God. Hear my voice according to thy loving kindness. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thine ordinances. You know, the word quicken, as we've discovered, uh, means make me alive. Uh, Young's Concordance says uh, to keep or to preserve or to give life to. Yes, we, we, we cry out to the Lord to give us the life of Jesus Christ. He already did that on the cross, and now we um, have a right to this life. God made an exchange. He gave us the life of Christ. He took our life and nailed it on the cross. And now we have a right to believe Him for it, to ask Him for it and to believe Him for it, right? He said, Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thine ordinances. In other words, in agreement with your word, right? We have a right to believe for anything God has promised in His Word. We should stand upon it. We should speak it. And we should never be double-minded about asking Him for it. They draw nigh that follow after wickedness or that persecute me with wickedness. They draw nigh. Well, I think right now is a really good time that this verse would be spoken because this is exactly what's happening. The beast kingdom is about to become one, to join together, to persecute the saints as they have in past ages. Uh, the, the last and final fulfillment of all the prophecies and all of the history which always repeats is about to start. And uh, the wicked are drawing nigh, and they are far from thy law. You know, the other day I was asking the Lord about a circumstance, a situation that was um, approaching. You know, the whole world is coming against God's saints. And the wicked among God's people who are a part of the world and are a part of the beast are coming against God's saints. And I was asking the Lord about it. And uh, he gave me Isaiah 36 and verse 10. And this is a course where Rabshakeh, the general of the Assyrian army that was coming against Israel, came up to uh, Jerusalem and was uh, basically railing at them with his threats. He said, And am I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said unto me, Go up against this land and destroy it. I know that most people think this is a lie. But the truth is, the Lord works in us to will and to do of His good pleasure, and He also does it in His vessels of dishonor. He used the Assyrians, as Isaiah chapter 10 says, to chasten His people and to bring them to repentance, and then He chastened the Assyrian and, their, and destroyed their army. So here's this, the threat, the beast's 
threat against God's people who are in uh, Jerusalem. Hezekiah was king at the time. And they brought this word unto Hezekiah. And uh, Hezekiah brought the, the word to Isaiah the prophet. And if you go down to 37 and 3, it says, And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble, and of rebuke, and of contumely. For the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. And of course, it was a time of bearing fruit. But the beast kingdom had conquered uh, the northern ten tribes, and conquered Judah, and now was threatening Jerusalem. And um, it was a place where uh, the man-child was about to escape. The fruit was about to be born, and so on and so forth. And so Hezekiah shares this complaint with Isaiah. And it goes on to say, It may be that the Lord thy God will hear the words of Brabshakeh, whom the king of Assyria his master has sent to defy the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Wherefore, lift up thy prayers for the remnant that is left. So the servants of the king of Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus saith the Lord, Be not afraid of the words that thou hast heard, wherewith the servants of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him, and he shall hear tidings, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword of his own land. And you know, we're not to pay attention to the threats of the wicked, to the threats of the beast. As Isaiah said, they have no authority against those who walk holy, as in Zion. They have no power. They draw near. You know, as the psalmist said, but they are far from God's law, and God does not defend them. It says in, in verse 150, back in Psalm 119, it says, They draw nigh that follow after wicked. But, but verse 151 says, Thou art nigh, O Lord, and all thy commandments are true. You know, the commandments defend us from the beast. They give us the authority that Isaiah, who spoke the word of the Lord to the people, to pay no attention to the threats of the beast, and to the devil, and to the world, and to the about the curse, and so on and so forth. We're to pay no attention to that. We're to pay attention to God's commandments. We're the Lord is nigh unto us. He's our Savior. He says, uh, "All it says, all of Thy commandments are true." And the truth sets free, it saves, it delivers, it heals, and so on and so forth. We're to pay no attention to the world. We're to pay attention to our God, right? Of old have I known from thy testimonies that thou hast founded them forever. You know, in Matthew 25 and 35, it says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. His God's word is eternal. Everything else that can be shaken will be shaken, and everything else will pass away. In that very text, right below that verse, he speaks of Noah and being in the ark. Um, these are a people who are a product of the word, 
who are preserved by God from the beast kingdom. And uh, the word that is eternal has given them eternal life. That word manifested in them is eternal life. It is preservation. It is deliverance. It is salvation. It is all of these things. And we need to remember it. That's why this chapter, I believe, is so important. And 153 says, Consider mine affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget thy law. So this is a reason for God to consider our affliction and not deliver us. This is another one of those verses you can turn around, right? If you don't forget God's law, He will consider your affliction and He will deliver you. He said, Plead thou my case, my cause, excuse me, and redeem me. This is, of course, a a Holy Spirit prayer that we know we can pray. Quicken me according to thy word. Make me alive according to your word. Life is Christ in you, the hope of glory, right? Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. Even in the church, you know, most often in the Psalms, they're not speaking about the wicked of the world so much as they are the wicked that are around them. David spoke often of the persecutions that he received from his own brethren. And he called them the wicked. The Bible says, Salvation is far from the wicked, for they seek not thy statutes. They seek what? Justification by many other things, by their works, by their religion, by who they're associated with, by their parents, you know, on and on and on. Many other things. Something that they do that other people don't do, but... They seek not the statutes of the Lord, right? The statutes of the Lord were meant to be in us who Christ is in us. Great are thy tender mercies, O Lord. Quicken me according to thine ordinances. God's ordinances is what he uses to give us life, to preserve us, to keep us. The Bible says he sent his word and healed them. Many are my persecutors and mine adversaries, yet have I not swerved from thy testimonies. You know, they, the persecutors and the adversaries come against us. It's a, it's a most opportune time for us to get in the flesh and to miss God. We're tempted quite often to get in the flesh and to do something physical that's contrary to God's will when people are persecuting us. But if we don't swerve from his testimonies, God will be our defender. You know, if we don't defend ourselves, if we don't fight for ourselves, God will be our defender. You know, it's in our weakness that God's power is made perfect, he says. He told the Apostle Paul, right? Praise be to God. Yet I have I not swerved from thy testimonies. I beheld the treacherous and was grieved. Because they observe not thy word. Amen. It's always grieving. You know, when the treacherous, especially the treacherous among God's people, do not observe or do not keep his word and don't have a conscience to keep his word. And uh, it's it's, um, very confusing to look upon. Consider how I 
I love thy precepts. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy mercy. Make me alive according to your mercy, Lord. This is a good Holy Spirit-filled prayers here. The sum of thy word is truth. Many people ask me this. I think maybe lots of folks who are used to using maybe the King James or whatever, they ask me, where is that verse? You know, uh, Psalm 119 and 160. The sum of thy word is truth. Many Bibles that go back to the the ancient manuscripts that come straight off the ancient manuscripts, not lesser copies, like, for instance, the Amplified. Uh, it has the same. It speaks it the same. The sum of thy word is truth. Uh, the NIV is very close because it goes back to the ancient manuscripts. Well, the awesomeness is that, you know, when I first started getting the revelation of the Lord and I very quickly went through one religion and then another one. And I asked the Lord, who's got the truth out there, Lord? Where is it? The Lord pointed out to me, in fact, he led me to visit different churches of different Christian religions, and and he told me not to be captured by any of them, but to notice what was going on there, how that they had grabbed a piece of the truth. And but that they could not recognize their brother's piece of the truth over in this other denomination, and it separated them, and that they never really could grow up because they were picking and choosing verses instead of just accepting everything the Bible says, and that if I didn't be get caught up in an idolatrous situation with one of these, I could be free to accept all of God's Word and to grow in Him and not be stunted in my growth. And this is one of the words the Lord brought to me. The sum of thy words is truth. He really brought it home to me that there is no truth when you pick a piece or a part of it out of the context. The truth is the whole thing. And that He taught me how to study things. You know, I did a when I was very young in the Lord, I did a study on baptism, and I looked up everything the Bible said about baptism. And uh, you know what? You don't have to make up your mind too early. You, in, in seeking the Lord, consider that everything He says fits together. And you don't want to pick a piece out of a puzzle and say, this is the truth, because that's not the truth. You have to put that in the puzzle and look at the whole picture to say, this is the truth. Denominationalism is sectarianism, and it is a it, it by its very nature it picks pieces of the truth, and they cannot ever find the truth that way. And the truth is what sets us free. So the sum of thy word is truth, and every one of thy righteous ordinances endureth forever. Every one of God's words are truth, and they are eternal. And if we want eternal life, we have to accept all of them into ourselves, because each one of them is a piece of God's eternal life. But together they are truth. Amen. And he says, Princes have persecuted me without a cause, but my heart standeth in awe of thy words. Amen. You know, when we are held fast by God's Word when um, 
we're restrained by God's Word, when we're persecuted by the wicked around us, even people in authority like princes or people in power like princes, you know, when we're restrained by God's Word, it doesn't mean that we will do without or that we will be conquered or anything of the sort. It reminds me of when God um, basically restrained Israel to donkeys. He refused them to go and buy horses. You know, they many times came against armies of peoples that were using horses, and they were using donkeys. I never remember Israel losing a battle because they were restrained to this weakness because in their weakness, God was made strong. I never remember Israel losing a battle when they were in the minority because in their weakness, God was made strong. I remember him in the Gideon situation whittling Israel down to 300 men to go against an army that was as the sands of the sea for multitude so that Israel wouldn't vaunt themselves against me saying that by their own hand that they had done this. God purposely puts us in a position of weakness through obedience to His words so that the power that we receive to be con- to conquer our enemies is His power. And so even though we're persecuted by people that are greater, have more authority, but if we hold fast to God's Word, we will have His power. He said, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Oh, I do too. I love the word of God. I love to find the nuggets, the treasures that God has hidden in there for us. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing and the glory of kings to seek it out. I love to see those awesome things he's hidden for us in there. I search for it as for treasure, right? I hate and abhor falsehood, but thy law do I love. You know, we can ask the Holy Spirit to put a love in our hearts for God's law, His truth, His word. This is a grace that He gives unto us, and we should do it daily. I, I've recounted many times how I asked the Lord, Please, Lord, open my understanding. Please give me truth. And the Lord did that for me. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous ordinances. Amen. You know, we should be very, very grateful for what the Lord has given unto us. These ordinances will give us eternal life, deliverance from our enemies, preservation from the beast, the righteousness of Christ through the the good news of those ordinances, His promises, His blessings. In 165, Great peace have they that love thy law. Peace, rest, security comes from loving God's Word. And they have no occasion of stumbling. People that love His Word have no occasion of stumbling. Praise God. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love him, you'll love his word. You can't separate Jesus from his word. I see now quite often religious people have been taken by some spirit and they follow, quote, the spirit. 
But it's totally contrary to the word. They don't realize that this is another Jesus. They've been led astray by a false Jesus. I have hoped for thy salvation, O Lord, and have done thy commandments. Praise God. My soul hath observed or kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. And, of course, a person doesn't love them if he doesn't keep them. Just like if you don't love Christ, you're not going to keep His commandments, right? I have observed thy precepts and thy testimonies. For all my ways are before thee. You know, it's true. Everything we do is seen of the Lord. And um, I think that many people don't keep the testimonies because they're not seen of men. But you know what? The Lord sees us. He sees us all the time. Who are we living for? The Lord observes everything we do. And who are we living for? If we don't keep His commandments when we aren't seen of men, then we don't love the Lord. Or we don't think He's looking. And the fact is, He is. You know, the Bible is very plain. We have not because we ask not. If we listen to the Holy Spirit teach us to pray for grace, for instance, in these following verses that we're about to read, we understand what the Holy Spirit wants us to pray for. You know, when we receive the gift of tongues, it's um, it's the Holy Spirit making intercession for us in groanings that cannot be uttered, and according to the will of God. You know, if we ask anything according to His will, we know that we have the petitions which we have asked of Him. Well, these are just as perfect as tongues because these are written by the Holy Spirit. We know we can pray them. We know we can pray them with confidence. We know that we're asking according to the will of God. And we know that we have the petitions which we've asked of Him. And this, the whole rest of this chapter is about grace. Asking God for things that normally men think that they can do. Normally they think that they can handle this. But we have not because we ask not. We ask God for the things that we think we can do, but that we fail in quite often. And if we ask for His help, obviously He will help us. So the Holy Spirit is help, is trying to teach us grace here, a, a revelation of faith giving grace to us. You know, 169 says, Let my cry come near before Thee, O Lord. In other words, hear my prayer, Lord. Give me understanding according to Thy Word. Amen. Give me understanding. You know, many people with their mind search for understanding. And there are many scholars, quote, who think they know a lot about the Lord. But the Lord teaches wisdom, and He gives it by His Spirit. And you can't intellectually seek out the Lord. He is the only one that can give this knowledge. He has hidden it from the wise and prudent and revealed it unto babes. There are people that seek with their mind. 
to be intellectually understanding of the Lord and His kingdom, and yet He can only be spiritually known. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you the truth. Scholars can seek for it and not know Him at all. I was watching recently a a documentary on TV about who Jesus and His disciples were and about the Bible, and it was totally reprobate. They had picked scholars to to teach, you know, about the Bible, and they were they were uh, denouncing the Bible as much as they were standing for it. They were speaking against God, speaking against Jesus, and yet they claimed these people were Bible scholars. Well, they were reprobates, I can tell you right now. They knew nothing of the Lord. Their knowledge was purely intellectual. They received this, you know, their credentials because they went to Bible school and found out things about God, but they didn't know God. And it was obvious that they had no respect for His Scriptures. So you can seek out God according to, you know, intellectual fervor, you know, for for sometimes wrong reasons even. You know, to be a scholar, to be an authority, to be respected. Many people look at uh, a minister as a, a job, a good-paying job in some cases, you know. But those people aren't qualified. Not a one of them is, and they don't know God. You know, Jesus picked those ignorant fishermen because they knew they needed God. They knew they had to follow God, and they did. They followed Jesus, and he gave them wisdom. And you walk with wise men, and you'll be wise, the Bible says. But the companion of fools shall smart for it. Let my supplications come before thee. Deliver me according to thy word. Amen. In other words, as your word promises, O Lord. We remind the Lord of what his promises are, right? Deliver me according to thy word. Let my lips utter praise. For thou teachest me thy statutes. Let my lips utter praise. Isn't that something that we can handle, Lord? You know, we'll handle the things we can handle, and Lord, you handle the things we can't handle. We can't handle anything. That's the point. (laughs) He's telling us to pray for grace, right? Lord, let my lips utter praise. Praise is powerful. Praise destroys the enemy, according to Psalm 149. Even the Youngest disciple has power through praise to destroy and scatter the enemies. You remember Jehoshaphat's army, he went out, you know, with an overwhelming enemy against them. And they went out with praisers out in front of the army. Dangerous thing to do. And yet God took the kings of the north, south, and east and um, totally destroyed them killing one another off. He said, you won't even have to fight in this battle. They just went out praising God, destroyed their enemies. You know, that's why I say, this is something we need to pray. The Holy Spirit is showing us that we need to pray this. You know, let my lips utter praise. Praise is is, um, halal, which means to brag on what the Lord has done. We should go out speaking faith about what God has done for us. He has delivered us. He has blessed us. He has healed us. He has done all these things. He has conquered our enemies. He has given us the victory. 
You know, let our lips speak this faith, this praise before God. And not just in church, you know, some people call that praise, you know. But thou, for thou teachest me thy statutes. This is the things that we have to brag on God about, these things that God has given to us. Let my tongue sing of thy word. You know, all of this Psalm 119 was meant to be sung. And the Psalms were meant to be sung. I know when you put them in English, they don't quite have the same melody. <laughs> You know, obviously. So it's very hard for us to take the English and put it into song. Sometimes people are successful in doing that. But it's meant to be sung. It's very easy to remember when you can sing it. You remember the verse very well that way. When he says, Let my tongue sing of thy word, for all thy commandments are righteousness. Amen. Give us grace, Lord to uh, sing praises unto you and to sing the promises of your word. Let thy hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. Amen. The Lord, you know, he says, you have not because you ask not. Ask the Lord for everything. Ask the Lord for his help. Ask him to be ready always to help you. And, of course, he will. I have chosen thy precepts. I have longed for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. Amen. That's what you desire if you delight in the law of the Lord. You desire God's salvation. That's what it is, you know. Salvation, of course, is um, very, very broad. It's, it's deliverance, it's healing, it's preservation. It's salvation in spirit, soul, body, circumstances. It's a very broad word in the Scriptures. And um, if you delight in His law, you'll be rich in God's salvation. I had a gift when I was young to delight in the law. I loved the Word of the Lord. I couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't put it down. I couldn't walk away from it. I had an anointing upon me to desire to find out things about God. I never had such a thing in all of my life to find out about anything else. Never had that. Never was a studious person before I picked up the Bible. And God anointed me with this delight of His law. And I tell you, God was saving me from everything, not because I was necessarily searching out the salvation, but because I was searching out Him. Things were just falling off of me, you know, my, my, uh, the drugs that I used to do as a young man just fell off of me, the desire of them, the power of them fell off of me, the life of uh, sinning and uh, living a drunken life and, and uh, all these things just fell off of me because I was delighting in his law. His salvation was becoming natural to me. And uh, I really didn't recognize that I was seeking out His salvation. It was that I was rewriting His Word upon my mind, you know. I was being transformed by the renewing of my mind. I was beginning to think differently. And this is the very basis of God's salvation, is to think differently. I tell you, you find somebody that hungers after the Word and delights in the Word, sin will just fall off of them. The curse will just fall off of them. 
I ask God for this gift. Let my soul live, and it shall praise Thee. Yes, give us the grace, Lord, to have life. If we, if you give us life, Lord, we'll praise you. It will come natural to us. And let thine ordinances help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. This is the strangest to me verse in all Psalm 119. Not that it's wrong. It's just a, a departure from everything else in there. He says how often he loved and he ran after the statutes of God and finally, he comes to one place where he talks about his failures. And it's the very last verse. He says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant. Come and find me, Lord. Find me out of all my traps. Find me where I need you. And draw me out of the foolishness that I'm in. The destructions that I've brought upon myself because of my thinking. You know, I've gone astray. Like a lost sheep, seek thy servant. For I do not forget thy commandments. You know, you may be in some of these traps today, you know. Some place where you really don't have a solution. But the Lord does. And ask Him to seek you out. And to draw you out. And to deliver you. But don't forget His commandments. Because this is the method, quite often, that God is going to use to bring you His salvation, His deliverance. Hallelujah. You know, I think the greatest message, you know, in Psalm 119 is that we can go to God by grace. We can ask of Him to give us this love for His commandments, His word, His precepts, His testimonies, His judgments, His statutes, etc., 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 ordinances, so and so. We can ask Him to give us a love for these. God will be our Savior, our Deliverer, our Provider. Uh, he'll keep us through the persecutions. He will uh, do all these things for us. And, um, well, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we ask You, Lord, to give us this gift, this anointing, Lord, to first of all love your commandments above everything else, every hobby, every plan, every um, ambition, Lord, to love your commandments, to keep them constantly before our face that we might not sin against you, especially when we're faced with our enemies, Lord, that you would give us the gift to love your commandments and to not depart from them for any price. Lord, uh, this is what we ask. Lord, you give this gift. You give this gift to make to people totally faithful to your word that they can't be bribed by fear, by money, by anything to depart from your word. And yes, Lord, in some ways all of us have gone astray from you. Please seek us out in our hiding places. Please um, cause us to give every compartment of our soul over to you, Lord, that we might have life. Lord, there are places in our hearts that we don't give over to you, either because of fear 
or because of ignorance, but we're asking you, Lord, to seek us out, to find us in those hiding places, to open the revelation to us that we might have more of you in every part of our life. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to let Psalm 119 fully be manifested in us. These prayers that we have prayed before you, Lord, that you would answer them. These prayers that your Holy Spirit has given unto us that we might know we have a right to come to you with. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to manifest them to us, to give answer to them for us. Lord, we ask you to to constantly bring to our lives, Lord, the desire to seek out your word, to hunger and thirst after righteousness, to know what your commandments are, and to rewrite our minds, our thoughts with your commandments so that we might be transformed, Lord. Lord, we want to be your servants, yet we know that only your word and our heart can serve you because we know that our your word in our heart is Jesus in us. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, that we might serve you and that Christ in us would do the work through us and that your word manifested in our hearts will do this. We ask it in Jesus' name, Father. Lord, we love your word. We confess it out loud. We uh, believe it. We keep it. We confess these things by faith, even as the psalmist did. We confess these things by faith because we've been given the free gift of righteousness, according to Romans. So we love your word, Lord. We desire after your word, Lord. We um, thank you that your word lives in us. We thank you that um, we search after it as choice gold and silver. We thank you for revealing it to us, Lord. It is so hidden by you that we have no hope outside of your spirit to actually know it and believe it as it is. So we ask you, Lord, to give us this grace, to work this grace in our heart. Lord, um, we love your commandments, Lord. We love your precepts. We thank you for drawing us mightily after you for anointing us to make you our hobby, your word our hobby, to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness so that the things of the world are very unimportant but that they are also provided to us through, through our seeking after you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Well, thank you so much, saints, for joining us, and uh, the Lord bless you, in Jesus' name. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels. Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. 